We are here to praise you, the one true God who exists eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because you alone are worthy of our praise and lives. We're here to confess our sins to you. Those things we said and did and thought we ought not to have, the things we've left undone. Our sins, we confess the sins of our church and the sins of our nation that we have forgotten you. We're here to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for seeking and saving us. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a place to meet. Thank you for a beautiful day. We've gathered today as needy people. We need you. That's why we're here. We have relationship struggles and financial problems and health needs. You know our needs. Meet our needs. And we're here to hear the word of God today. We need your word. As your word is read and preached, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fall fresh and, and that you would win lost people to you as we're here and that you would build believers, that you would equip workers, and that you would multiply disciple makers, that we could fill our county up with the sweet, sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ in every place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, our scripture reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1. If, if you're new, uh, we believe the Bible is God's word. We love to open it up and read it. And I encourage you to bring a Bible and get familiar with it. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 17, If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ." For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. It was Monday, uh, Memorial Day, and my wife Karen and I went out to eat at Gator Dockside in Mirabella, and we had wings. They were really good. But then I came out, when I came out, parked behind my car was this Ferrari. It was beautiful. And, uh, and I was breaking the Tenth Commandment, you know, with Alvin Ezra and I, about coveting. And it was amazing, this Ferrari, it had, a, it had like a glass hatchback, and you could look, and it looked like the engine was sitting in the back seat, and it looked like it was so clean you could eat off of it. And, and, and I look in this car, and I think, Wow. This is really an expensive car. Someone paid a lot of money for this. And I want you to know I'm way more valuable than that Ferrari. Did, do you know that? Do you know what someone paid for me? Jesus shed every drop of his blood to purchase me. He said I was so valuable to him that he was willing to shed his blood for me. And if you're a Christian, he did that for you too. Does that just blow you away? What we're going to explore today is the point of today's message is that 
We were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Will you say that with me? That we were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. You know what I'm praying for? That when you leave here today, you're not just walking, but you're like the man that, that Jesus healed, and you're walking and leaping and praising God, that you leave here more in love with Jesus than when you came and more determined that you want to follow him, that you leave here and you've got to share with anyone, everyone you meet. You won't believe what Jesus did for me. He shed his blood for me and for you. Oh, if you're new, we're walking through the book of 1 Peter uh, and the reason we're doing this, it's very intentional. We want to equip you as followers of Christ to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. Do, do you feel that way? Do you feel that our culture is becoming more hostile toward people of faith? If you do, we really want to equip you. That's why we're doing this. And so far, what we've learned, that if we're going to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture, we need to know our identity, right? Who am I? And we learn we're Christians were chosen. And then we ask, if we're going to follow Jesus in a hostile culture, we need to know our hope, our hope. And so we look that Jesus is our living hope, and we get to live each day of our lives knowing that the best is yet to come. And if we're going to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture, we need to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so last week we learned that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so we could walk like Jesus walked, that he would give us the desire and power to walk like Jesus walked in a hostile culture. Oh, and if we're going to follow Jesus in a hostile culture, we need to know who we belong to. As Christians, we don't belong to ourselves. We've been bought. We've been redeemed. We belong to Jesus. And Jesus paid a huge price for us. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. So as we focus in on that, I, it kind of raises three questions. And the first question is, redeemed from what? What are we redeemed from? And then the second question is, redeemed by what? What are we redeemed by? And thirdly, what are we redeemed for? So, so let's start with the from. Verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed, redeemed, Purchase from what? From what? Redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from, there it is, what do we redeem from? From your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. Listen, we inherited from our parents a sinful human nature. We inherited that. We were born sinners. And then each of us developed our own style of sinning, right? Sin is so much deeper than isolated deeds. It's an attitude of our heart. It's one of rebellion saying that we can run our lives better than God. We know the path to happiness better than God. And since that's our heart, we commit crime after crime against God. And the Bible says that sin leads to death. What we deserve for what we have done is eternal death, which is hell itself. That's what Jesus came to redeem us from, to redeem us from sin and from its penalty, death. No one else, <clears throat> we inherited from our uh, parents' uh, uh, religion. Uh, Jesus came to set us free from religion. And you say, well, what is religion? Religion is believing we can save ourselves. Religion is believing we don't need a Savior. If we just try a little harder, if we try a little harder, we can save ourselves. And when people believe in religion that we can save ourselves, it leads to futility. If people are good at keeping rules, 
if people are good at keeping rules, is that you? Then it fills you with what? With pride, right? And, and, and self-righteousness that I'm glad I'm not bad like those other people. But if you're like me and you've never found a, met a rule you didn't want to break, anybody else in here like that? It leads to despair, right? It leads to despair because there's no way I could ever be good enough to earn God's favor. So, what does Proverbs 14, verse 12 say? I, I love this. There is a way which seems right to a man. To a lot of people, it just makes a lot of sense. It, it, you know, if we do more good deeds than bad deeds, it'll, it's going to be okay. There is a way which seems right to a man. The problem what, is that its end is the way of death. So, we were redeemed from what? We were redeemed from sin and from death, from, from religion and the futility that brings, which leads to death. Okay, so what are we redeemed by? I mean, that Ferrari cost a lot of money, right? But notice this. You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold or money from your futile way of life inherited from your fathers, but with precious blood. We were redeemed with blood. And, and I know that seems so strange in our culture today. What, what, what does it mean that we were redeemed with blood? So let me help you understand what that means in the Bible. Let's go back to Leviticus 17 in the Old Testament. This will help us understand this verse. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Long before modern medicine, listen, in God's word, it was said that the life is in the blood. And that's true, isn't it? You're watching a, a crime show and someone gets shot and they say they bled out, right? Because what happens as they bleed out, what happens? They, they what? They die because the life is in the, is in the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. The penalty for sin is death. That's what we deserve. So blood is put on the altar to cover us so that we wouldn't get what we deserve. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Oh, the Bible talks about the atonement. That, that one day Jesus would become our substitute and atone for our sins by shedding his blood for us. It's right there in the Old Testament. So, back to 1 Peter. What were we redeemed by? By blood. The blood of Christ. For he <clears throat> but with precious blood, us have a lamb. So we were, we were purchased by the blood of a lamb. And again, when people would have read 1 Peter, when they read about a lamb, they would have immediately thought about the, the Passover. They would have thought about the Passover. Remember, we learned about that this year, that, that Israel were slaves in Egypt, and God brought all these plagues so that Pharaoh would let God's people go. And the last plague would be, what? That the death angel would kill the firstborn in every family, unless, unless a family took a lamb, right? If they took a lamb and they kill the lamb, and they put the lamb over their door, what would happen? Then the death angel would pass over them. And that's what happened. And Israel was, re was released from being slaves in Egypt. But every year, every year, every Jewish family was to celebrate the Passover. They were to take a lamb, and they were to kill the lamb, and they were to say, this is really what we deserve. And they would put the blood over the doorpost, and they would look back. And they would look back and they would remember how God had saved them from slavery in Egypt. 
But when they ate the Passover, they would also look ahead. They would look ahead to that day when God would provide the Passover lamb that would be the cure for sin and death. Oh. And then John the Baptist. John the Baptist sees Jesus, right? And in John 1, verse 29, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here's the Lamb. Here's the Lamb that God has provided, that all those Old Testament Passover lambs pointed to, all those Old Testament sacrifices pointed to. Here's the Lamb of God who can take away the sin of the world. Here is the cure for sin and death that God has provided for us. Um, but with precious blood, back in First Peter, as of a lamb, notice, unblemished and spotless. This is the perfect lamb because this lamb is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth and lived a perfect life. <clears throat> unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Listen, God knew we were going to sin, and God knew we were going to need a Savior. So this was all planned out before, before the world was created. And at just the right time, God the Son came to earth and lived that perfect life and shed his blood on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day and offers us what? <laughs> Eternal life, a cure for sin and death. So that takes us back to one more word that I, I left for now. Listen, we were redeemed with precious blood. Do you know why Jesus' blood is precious? Let me give you two reasons. The first reason it's precious is because who Jesus is. It was the blood of God. The great old song, uh, Amazing Love, How Can It Be? that thou, my God, should die for me. Does that just stagger you that God shed his blood for you and me? The reason it's precious is, first of all, because of whose blood it is. Who ever heard of a God who would die for sinners? Isn't that the gospel? You know why else it's precious? Because it's the cure. It's the cure for sin and death. Do you know anybody who's going to die? Know anybody? Isn't it all of us? Listen, let, let's just say that you were bit by a venomous snake. You were bit by a venomous snake. What would then become the most precious thing in all the world? What would it be? It would be what? The antivenom, right? No matter what it costs, no matter where it was, you'd want it, right? Because what is it? It's the cure for what's going to kill you. Oh, why is it? Precious blood, because it's the cure for sin. It's the cure for death. It's more precious, more valuable than anything in the universe. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? I mean, look at Romans 6, verse 23. Notice how it says, for the wages of sin is death. It's saying, listen, all of us, we've all been bitten by sin. And because of that, listen, we're headed toward death. We're headed to eternal death. Listen, there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. But there is a cure. There is a cure for sin and death. Here it is. But the free gift of God is eternal life. 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. He died. He rose. He offers us eternal life, the cure for sin, forgiveness, the cure for death, that we could do life in eternity with him. Oh, his blood is precious. Back to 1 Peter. Now notice what it says, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of, for the sake of what? You. He did it for you. I, I want you to know John 3.16 is amazing. John 3.16 is amazing. For, for God so loved the world. I mean, he, he loved the world, right? That he gave his only begotten son what, to shed his blood for us, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, that whoever believes in him would find the cure for sin and death. I mean, that's amazing. But I want to show you a verse that will change your life. Look at Galatians 2.20. Look at this. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing to know that Christ died for the world, right? But when you understand he died for you, he loves you, he died for you, listen, that changes our thinking, doesn't it? It changes everything, doesn't it? Who loved? He did it for me. He shed his blood for me. He shed his blood for me and for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What an unimaginable thing. Thank you. Oh. Back to 1 Peter uh, who has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Are you a believer? Are you? Listen, Jesus offers us eternal life, the cure for sin and death. And listen, we receive this gift by believing in Jesus. Have you? Listen, wouldn't you like the cure for sin and death? Wouldn't you like to do life in eternity with Jesus? What's required of us is to believe. And listen, believing in God is really as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You shed your blood for me. You died for me and rose for me. Thank you. And then we commit. <laughs> Jesus, you're my only hope. I'm trusting you to forgive me. I'm trusting you for eternal life. You're my only hope. We trust Jesus as Lord. I, I surrender to you today. You lead and I follow. Won't you believe? You can do that right now. You can admit and believe and commit. Or if you need help as, as we close in prayer in a few minutes, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. Oh, but notice that who through him are believers in God. Is that you? Who raised him from the dead. Jesus isn't dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So now as a believer, as a disciple, your faith and hope are in God, not in you. So, so what have we learned so far? That we were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. We were redeemed what? From sin, right? And from death and from religion and, and death and futility. We were saved by, by the precious blood of Jesus. We were saved for eternal life. So are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, you know what Jesus says? I chose you. Isn't that amazing? You know what he says? I redeemed you. I shed my blood for you. 
And know what Jesus says? Let's do life together. Let's do life together as friends. He says, let's do eternity. Let's spend all of eternity together. And you know what else he says to us? I want you to join me during your stay on earth to help change the world. I want you to join me. Join me and help change the world. Remember how Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John? Remember they were fishermen? In Matthew 4, verse 19, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. (laughs) Know what Jesus said? Do you want to spend the rest of your life catching fish, or do you want to join me and help change the world? You know what they did? They left their nets for the opportunity to follow Jesus and help change the world. Are you a Christian? You know what Jesus says to us? Listen, do you want to waste your life? Do you want to waste your life on things that don't matter? Or do you want to follow me and help change the world? Do you find yourself often gathering with other people and and complaining and talking about what's wrong with our country? Let me ask you a question. Are you going to spend the rest of your life complaining? Or are you going to follow Jesus and help change our country one heart at a time? I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my life. I want to follow Jesus and help change the world. Will you join me? Will you? And do you know what we need to learn in the passage we're reading here? If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to change the world, listen, in a hostile culture, we need to learn to fear God, to fear God and not men. Remember back in 1 Peter, remember the first verse I read? If you address as father, so so now God's your father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work. Now notice, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Uh, Well, I thought the Bible said over and over again, fear not, fear not. Well, there's some things we are to fear and other things we're not. Well, 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 wait a minute. I I didn't think we're supposed to fear God. Uh, I, I thought the Bible said something about how love casts out fear. Now, Maybe you've heard me before talk about there's two cliffs we could fall off of. And and that's what it's like with fearing God. One cliff we want to avoid is fearing condemnation from God. Fearing God condemning us when we've been redeemed by his blood. So in 1 John 4, this is what this verse is saying. By this love is perfected with us so we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. Listen, we're redeemed. We're redeemed by his blood. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to fear the judgment day of things going bad. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So if you're a Christian, listen, we've been redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We don't have to fear condemnation. But listen, the opposite cliff, the opposite cliff is that we can fear man rather than God. We can fear man over God. And and the Bible says, no, no, we're to fear God over man. Let me show you. In Proverbs um, 29, verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare. Listen, if we fear man 
over God, we will not be able to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. We won't be able to. The fear of man brings a snare. It holds us captive. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. If we fear men over God, we will not be able to share the gospel because we fear the sneer that we might be laughed at. If we fear men over God, we won't be able to speak truth into our culture because we're afraid of what man will do to us. Oh, read through Proverbs and see how many times it talks about the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 9, notice this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Well, smiley, how can we love God and fear Him at the same time? Let me illustrate. We have six kids. And uh, once I was driving, and, and I, I forget which kid, but one of my kids, uh, I'm listening to the radio, and you know what he did? He touched the radio. <laughs> and he changed the station. Now, you young people, you don't understand that. You don't understand that. But me, the one thing I would never would have done with my dad was touch his radio. You know why? Because he was dad, and I was not. And I would have felt like Uzzah touching the golden ark, right? I would have been afraid I would have been struck dead. Because dad made it really, really clear in my family. He was dad, I was the son. He was the dad, I was the son. And as long as I kept that straight, life would go much better in my house. And you know what happens when Jesus moves in? I'm the big brother. You're the little brother. Never forget that. I'm the big brother. You're the little sister. You follow me, right? And life goes better when you do that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's fearing God over men. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I mean, again... We're going to live, uh, follow Jesus in a hostile culture. How how about this one in Proverbs 8? Uh, How how do we live as followers of Christ in a hostile culture? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. How we navigate living in a hostile culture is we hate evil. And you know why we hate evil? Because God hates evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And, And it's interesting what we think of as evil. What does God say is evil? Pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. And, and you say, well, Smiley, that's all in the Old Testament. Well, what about in the New Testament? Well, let me show you what Jesus said about fearing God. In Luke chapter 12, verse 4, Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, so who's he speaking to? Who? He's speaking to Christians, right? Because he's, he's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to you and me because he calls us friends, right? I speak to you, my friends. Now, notice what he says. We're living in a hostile culture. Listen to what he says. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed you, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And and, and do you know what happened? The disciples heard that, right? And the disciples had the Holy Spirit. And when they went out, you know what? They spoke boldly and they would be killed for their faith because they feared God 
rather than, they said the worst thing the world can do is kill us, and when they kill us, they'll send us to, what, to, to paradise, right? Um, I'm praying for revival in my country, and I pray you're joining me. But listen, if that doesn't happen, we are in for difficult days ahead. And many of us will lose our jobs, and many of us will be in prison, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of us die for our faith, and we need to be prepared for that. And what Jesus says is the way we're prepared is we fear God over men. I don't know if you've noticed it, but very, many um, very public professing Christians have abandoned their faith. And they've abandoned their faith because of the fear of man. They want to fit in in our culture, and they've abandoned Jesus Christ. But what I want you to know is, I can't leave. And you know why I can't leave? Because the worst man can do to me is they can kill me. And if they kill me, they send me to paradise. But one day, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, or God, and I need Jesus on that day. Don't you? Listen. That's okay. When we fear the sneer, the reason we share the gospel is we fear God more than men. The worst they can do to us is kill us. But listen, if we don't share with them, they face hell, right? Listen, we live in a morally confused culture. Listen, we must speak truth into our culture. And, and listen, be willing to pay the price because we fear God, not man. So, going back to 1 Peter, notice what it says who through him are believers in God. We've been redeemed, right? We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed from. We've been redeemed from sin and death. We've been redeemed from religion and, and futility. We've been saved by the blood of Christ. We've been saved for Jesus to do life and eternity with him, to join him in changing the world. Now notice what he says, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Oh, we need to walk with Jesus, don't we? Um, so we've covered a lot of ground. We're, all, we're almost done, but I, I want to turn a corner and give you uh, uh, an action step this week that's really, really, it's really enjoyable. It's, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to exalt Jesus. I want you to exalt Jesus. That's, that's all I want you to do this week is to exalt Jesus every opportunity you get. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, let me show you John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist, his, his disciples come to, came to John, and they were all concerned. They were all concerned because all of John's disciples were leaving John. They were all going to follow Jesus. And they said, John, you've got to do something. You've got to do something or all of our disciples will go follow Jesus. Some of you remember how he responded, right? In John 3.30, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. You know what he says? <sighs> That's exactly what I want them to do. I want them to follow Jesus. Listen, it takes a lot of effort for us to exalt ourselves, doesn't it? Doesn't it take a lot of work for us to tell people how good we are, how wonderful our marriage is, how wonderful our kids are? Isn't that hard? But listen, what we're called to do is not to exalt ourselves, but to exalt Jesus. Listen, how do we do that? We exalt him when we spend time with him. 
in our neighborhoods, each of us. We got up, right? We got up and we got in our car. Weren't we exalting him? And we drove here. Why? Because Jesus matters to us and being with his people matters, right? And then we came in, why? To exalt him by singing to him and singing to one another. We exalted him by giving gifts to him, right? We exalt him when we gather and say, teach me your word. I need help. I need to be equipped to follow Jesus in a hostile culture. Doesn't that exalt him? Listen, when we gather in small group and say, I need Jesus and other people in my life to follow Jesus in, in a hostile culture, we exalt him. We need him. When we get up in the morning and we spend time with Jesus and say, I couldn't imagine doing a day without you, do we not exalt him? And someone will say, well, Smiley, you think you're so good because you spend time with Jesus each day. No, no, I, I want to exalt you. I don't spend time with Jesus because I'm good. I spend time with Jesus because he's good and I need him. You know why I start every week and day with Jesus? Because I live this close to wrecking my life. People say, oh, no, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> there is no one in this room who needs Jesus more than I do. Listen, we exalt Jesus when we spend time with him. We exalt Jesus when we follow him. When we follow him... We're exalting him, saying, he's wiser than us. He knows the path to happiness better. I want to follow him. Is that you? Is there an area in your life that Jesus has been saying, follow me, and you've been saying, no, no? Won't you exalt him and say yes, won't you? Won't you? Listen, when we get it right, when we get it right and we follow him, let's exalt Jesus and not ourselves. I mean, you won't believe this, but sometimes people will say, oh, Smiley, you're such a, a, a loving person. To which I respond, well, I'm glad you finally noticed. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't exalt myself. I just, that's just not true. What I say is, no, I'm not, but I know someone who is loving. And I find the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I become like him. Wouldn't you like to know him too? Listen, let's we exalt him when we follow him. When we get it right, let's exalt Jesus. When we get it wrong, let's exalt Jesus. And let me share with you, I get it wrong way more than I get it right, okay? And, and, and when I blow it, you know what I love to say? I am so thankful to be a Christian. And you know what people say? Well, why? Because that's the only hope I have. What? Religion says you have to be good to go to heaven. In religion, I don't stand a chance. My only chance for heaven is Jesus. Listen, when we fail, it's a great time to exalt Jesus. We exalt Jesus when we spend time with him. We exalt Jesus when we, when we follow him. We exalt Jesus when we tell others how amazing he is. So many of us, I'm not good enough. We're not called to exalt ourselves. We exalt Jesus. You know, when I share the gospel with people, I share the bad news. Listen, we're all flawed, especially me. I share the good news. Jesus redeemed us with his blood. I share that our part, our part is to believe and receive his gift. Won't you invite people to respond? Listen, who have you been meaning to share with? You can do it. Go this week and exalt Jesus, not yourself. Oh, listen, we live in a morally confused culture. 
Our culture is deluded. And the church, the Bible says the church is the pillar of truth. And so we have to learn how to speak truth into a morally confused culture. And I want to show you how. Here's how. The first thing we want to say is there is a standard. There is a standard for right and wrong. It's in God's word. There is a standard for marriage. There is a standard for where sex belongs. There is a standard for right and wrong. We want to say that. But the second thing we want to share is there's only one person who's ever kept the standard. <laughs> it's not me. It's not, who is it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. See, we want to say there is a standard, but only one person has ever kept the standard. His name is Jesus. And everyone, we all need Jesus to lift us to the standard. That's how we share truth in a confused culture. There is a standard, but only one person has kept it, and we all need him. Listen, the gospel grace isn't about Jesus uh, getting rid of the standard. Grace is about Jesus moving into sinners. And lifting us, lifting us to the standard. Um, so, we've covered a lot today, haven't we? We, we? We've learned that we were purchased by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? Thank you, Jesus. Will you say that? Thank you, Jesus. Oh. And listen, when your heart, when your heart is overwhelmed with hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, listen, as we go out, we want to exalt him, don't we? Listen, we exalt him when we spend time with him. We exalt him when we follow him, when we get it right and when we get it wrong. We exalt him by telling everyone how amazing he is. Who will you tell this week? Know what Jesus did for me? He shed every drop of his blood for me because I was that precious to him. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to shed your blood, to die and rise, to save sinners like me, like us, Jesus, we're th so thankful there is a cure for sin and death, and it is your blood. And, and listen, if, if for the first time today you've come to understand your need of Jesus and you would like the cure for sin and death, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to, to come into my life and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to, to celebrate with you and to help you grow. Lord, I pray for those of us who, who, who know that, but we're reminded today of, of how we've been purchased by your blood, that those of us who are reminded that what we've been redeemed from and by and for, that this week is as we live, that, that we would exalt you, that we would exalt you by spending time with you, by following you, by telling others not how good we are, but how amazing you are. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.